0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. Today's episode, I went down to the basement to collect the script from Callum. And instead of finding the script, I found Callum's basement journal, which we shall open up and explore. If you're not watching the video version, if you're just listening to audio, (laughs) it's just a giant book I found in my office. (laughs) One of the things about spending eight months chained to a basement wall, being whipped if you don't maintain a steady flow of 60 words per minute, is that you spend many moments wondering if your life might have been better had you not replied to the dodgy Craigslist ad in the first place. Look Callum, if you reply to a Craigslist ad for a true crime writer, you've literally walked into the beginning of a Stephen King, like, horror novel, haven't you? Oh Simon, you're not using the word literally correctly. (laughs) I know, I'm so sorry. But there's no use dwelling on the past. We have to plan for a brighter future instead. Back in the early days, I tried everything to break out of here. I tried digging through the floor. Impossible. You're in the basement already. Where are you going to dig to, Callum? Ah, I tried fashioning chicken bones into lockpicks. Too fiddly. I tried training an army of rats to overpower Simon and carry me to freedom. They tried to eat me. And now I'm pretty sure I have the plague. Oh, God. I hope I didn't touch your your stuff down there too much, Callan. Nothing ever went according to plan, so naturally I decided to slow down, take a breath, and do what I do best. Research the sh** out of it. Which led me to this little casual criminalist mini-project. A study of the greatest prison breaks of all time to figure out what exactly made these legendary escape artists so successful. Ooh, I hope we talk about the guy who's... I swear he's escaped from like French prison like five times by helicopter. It's like every time oh, there's a helicopter coming to pick it up again, isn't there? Ah, <laughs> oh, for f' sake! We all love hearing about the capture of criminal masterminds, but for many of them, the story only starts with the sentencing, and when I eventually liberate myself, I'll share these scripts with the world so you two, ha ha ha, so you two could win your freedom if you ever find yourself imprisoned by a maniacal YouTube content baron. Well, Callan, it looks like your game is up because I found your basement journal. <laughs> My jailbreak field guide begins with the story of one of France's most successful, most cinematic. It's the, it's the helicopter guy. It's already the helicopter guy. How exciting. And most downright romantic escapee. He's an armed robber by trade. He's remembered less for blasting cops and snatching loot, and more for a series of five daring escapades. The one in the title, in French, of The King of Escape. And yes, I'm going to attempt the French. Le Roi de la Vation. Ahaha! I'm going to put away this giant book that I took out as a prop because it feels really dusty. (laughs) All of these props that- If you're watching the video version, I have like book props behind me on the shelves. They're actually real books. Uh, I bought them off like the Prague equivalent of Craigslist from an old dude's apartment. I think he must have died. (laughs) I just bought all of his old books and used them as set decoration. (laughs) Oh god, I'm going to hell. The teaser trailer. On the morning of the 26th of may 1986 a white alouette alouette helicopter swooped low over the historic historic rooftops i'm going to stop with a french accent of barry i just said i'm going to stop and then i said paris like barry why whistle boy why do you do this why you're such a bad person at the controls was a beautiful young woman with fire in her eyes by her side, an accomplice with a sports bag in his lap and a machine gun at his feet. Oh my god, we're in a James Bond movie, and it is the helicopter French dude. As they hurtle towards the dome of the Pantheon and the spire of la Tour Eiffel in the distance, I didn't say- Danny- What?! Uh, not Danny, who's also in the basement by the way. Uh, Callum wrote the Tour Eiffel. Not Eiffel Tower. It's not my fault bursts of static came over the radio pierced by frantic shouting warnings that they were far below the legal altitude limit for that urban area and had no authorization to be in the city's airspace but the pilot ignored them and pressed on i am actually learning to fly not helicopters but i'm getting my pilot's license i've wanted to do it for years and then i was getting a bit stressed with work a couple of months ago and i feel much better about work but i was getting a bit stressed and it's like yo i need a hobby i need to do something for me and so I asked my wife, can I learn to fly? I got to ask my wife because it's like we got young kids and stuff or like one young kid and another one about to be born. Very excited. But I was like, can I go do this? I'd really like to do this for me because I didn't want to be like, I'm going to learn to fly because that feels a bit selfish. But uh, she was like, yeah, 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 you can. And uh, so I've been, you know, getting into all of this stuff. And apparently, obviously I've not had it yet, but I watch like these aviation channels on YouTube because, you know, you get into the hobby. And apparently one of the most intense things that could happen is you get a number to call, which is where you do something bad and air traffic control don't want to like, you know, call you out over the radio. But they're like, they'll give you a phone number that you have to ring later if you've done something bad and you're getting in trouble. So this guy would definitely get a number to call. Uh, that was a long detour. And somehow we ended up talking about what is going on. We ended up talking about my kids again. <laughs> she had been planning this fateful flight for the better part of three years and woke up that morning with a single-minded uh, determination today she would be reunited with the love of her life not in a prison visitation room but out in the real world as a free man they closed in on their destination just past 10 30 a.m when the red roof tiles of Uh, prison de la Santé came into view a dismal brick fortress smack bang in the heart of the city far below there was a commotion in one of the yards on the left bank guards scrambled around below like and swarming behind two figures making their way across the concrete i am assuming a movie has been made out of this but oh my god so what an incredible story. The ones in the watchtowers turned to see the helicopter approach, then hover overhead. But their rivals were occupied with another situation. Their colleagues down below were about to be blown to pieces by two rogue inmates. From the helicopter, the masked accomplice tossed a heavy bag down to these two men. The pilot swung the chopper around to hover over the prison roof. A few moments of waiting, and two men appeared on the edge of the rooftop. They scrambled up the sloping tiles to where the helicopter now descended to meet them. Not a single shot was fired from either side, even as the helicopter hovered mere feet above the prison. and the the pilot's husbands, Michel Valjeur, Robber Brandit, and Master Prison Escapist grabbed hold of the rails and ascended to his freedom. L'Amour et la violence. I know I'm so sorry, French people. I know I'm not doing it right. I'm so sorry. The big climax of this story is all the makings of a classic Hollywood flick. Back then, Monsieur Valjeur even had a perm and a stash combo that'd give Tom Selleck a run for his money. But his story wasn't always as glamorous as all that. Before Michel could uh, plan blockbuster jailbreaks in Paris, he'd have to work his way up from the very bottom as a petty criminal out in the Ardennes countryside. Michel Valjeur was born in the quaint little countryside hamlet of Saint-Quentin-le-Petit in 1951. His parents were pretty plain, stable bureaucrats who decided four years in that they couldn't really be bothered having a kid, so they dumped little Michelle with his auntie. Things worked out in the end and his, as his auntie doted on him and gave him a much happier life than before. <laughs> like, who does that? It's like you have kids. And it's like, then you're like, Nah, just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Hey, <laughs> like, if I was like, Hey, sister, can you take care of my kids now? I be it'd be like, she'd be like, What the f-? They're your kids. They're not mine. I got shit to do. I got my own kids. He befriended the village priest, who became the closest thing he had to a father figure. On the weekends, he taught him to shoot, run, and climb. Little did the Holy Father know that his petty protege would be using those same skills for some very sinful plots in the future. One version of the story reports that at this point Michel was actually set on entering the priesthood himself, but those dreams were shattered by tragedy. When he was eight, his aunt passed away from cancer. Michel's life was uprooted, and he was returned to his parents in the city of Chalon-en-Champagne. Life there was tougher, living under the same roof as his abusive drunk father. Ah, so maybe it was for his for the best. It sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't bother to have kids, didn't want to raise the kids, and also was an abusive drunk. Brilliant. And what a surprise, the old flavor of casual criminalist, abusive parents, criminal children. In his teens, Michel turned to petty crime as a form of rebellion and became a juvenile delinquent who was well known to the local cops. As he later said, Life could have turned out differently. I was no worse than the guys around me. I could have committed only small burglaries, then I would have fallen into line. I would have married a girl from the region. But thankfully for fans of dramatic prison break podcasts, this wasn't to be. Oh good, I'm so glad he had a life of crime. I mean, in this case, you could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming he hasn't murdered anyone. Or maybe he did kill people. I don't remember. I mean, I'm familiar with this guy's story because of the helicopter thing. But I'm assuming he didn't kill anyone. So he could be like, cool, yeah, he had a life of crime and now he got a good story. Whereas if it's like Ed Gein, you're not like, oh, yeah, it's really good that he killed all those people. Wait, didn't Ed Gein just kill one person or two people? It doesn't matter. No, Ed Gein was more the corpse. Let's use Ted Bundy. Ed Gein was the corpse digger up and dude. Be like, Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's really good that he murdered all these people, so we've got all this content today. I mean, even though this is good to me, and it, like, provides me with a podcast and, and stuff, I'm still always like, it'd be better if these bastards weren't out there killing people, obviously, because I'm not a psycho. And maybe Callum will be a psycho, it t- Yeah, yeah, he killed six people. And Callum's like, yes! Yes! Come on! Material! The first bid. Michelle's first stint behind bars would come at the tender age of 18, when he was living on a housing estate with his first love, a woman called Zabeth. The couple had a kid together, even though they were basically still kids themselves. Oh, brilliant, good move. Michelle was working in a factory to support them and now spent the weekend on his new hobbies, drinking and Grand Theft Auto. The crime, not the video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What are you doing this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to do some Grand Theft Auto. Do or play? Do or play, Michelle. Please be at play. He got a kick from going out drinking, stealing a car for a joyride, then returning it to where he found it before morning. A victimless crime, I guess. But in 1969, Michelle got sloppy. He nicked a car on his way home from a nightclub in town and ended up abandoning it on his council estate, too drunk or tired to return it. You wake up and the morning, like, man, that was an intense night. What did I do? oh no, did I? I, I, I didn't return my joyride car. I remember when I was a kid. I swear it doesn't happen as much these days. Maybe just because car security systems are better. But when I was a kid, you'd find, like, burned-out cars would be around the place. Because kids would get drunk, they'd steal cars, and then they'd joyride, but they'd end up somewhere and they'd just set the car on fire. I think, like, to burn all the evidence or something, or just for shits and giggles. But there used to be, like, way more burned-out cars in life, Right? Or do i just not see as many burned out cars anymore or just i ignore them because it's not like whoa a burned out car which is interesting when you're a kid and as an adult you're like oh man that's gonna be an insurance nightmare (laughs) he'd woken up from his hangover the next day to the sound of the police kicking in his apartment door and his girlfriend's panicked screams the future king of escape was up on his feet within seconds and about to pull the first disappearing act of many he hopped out of the bedroom window and sprinted off to safety Probably still in his boxes. Michelle went on the run for two weeks, hopping between friends' houses to stay under the radar. Meanwhile, his girlfriend, Zabeth, was enjoying a completely undisturbed stint in jail after being arrested on the spot. She was, quite understandably, unamused. Yeah, why was she arrested? What? She's got a stint in jail? She's just the girlfriend or the wife or whatever of the, the, the thief. Just because your husband or wife's a criminal doesn't mean that you're a cr- I mean, unless you. Wait, I mean, sometimes you can be like an accomplice and shit, right? But she just seems like she's just chilling out at home. (laughs) And now she's in prison. God damn it, Michelle. When the cops finally caught up with Michel, he was handed a pretty hefty prison sentence for such a minor crime, 30 months behind bars. By all accounts, Michel was quite a handful for the guards and was thrown into solitary a number of times for his little rebellions. He would later tell a Paris radio host, I was very marked by my first prison sentence. Essentially, the worst prisons are just like conventions or training camps for the criminal underworld. There, he turned from petty teenage crook to well-connected 21-year-old crook at the time of his release. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's not going to be good for recidivism. (laughs) What we did, prisons, training criminals, getting connected. When his sentence was over in December 1972, he was banned from staying in 21 of France's 101 departments for the next five years, but he flouted this rule to try and make amends with the woman he loved. And before we get into that, ah, let me tell you about today's fantastic sponsor, Raycon. Look, you're listening to a podcast. Chances are you're doing it through a pair of head- headphones. And I mean, if you're not, I mean, if you're at home listening on the speaker, great, good for you. But if you're out and about and you're not listening on your headphones, what are you up to? Get a pair of Raycons! Or, if you have headphones already, probably not as good as a pair of Raycons, that's right, Raycons. What do you do? You just pop them in your ear. Oh, plus with Raycons, they have different size uh, little, I don't know what these are called, like the rubber tips. There's different sizes that come in the box, so you can find some that fit your ears. I have surprisingly large ears, but also the ear holes, not as massive as you think. So I put on the little ones, and you just pop them in like this. And- And uh, unlike some other brands, they don't stick out, they don't dangle down, they're not like gonna fall out when you go out and about. For like sports and stuff, uh, pretty fantastic because they just, they slot in and they don't fall out. Also, you you don't have to worry about sweating or anything. It's uh, all very nice. They uh, come in this case, obviously. What you do is you just pop that open, you take them out. When they run low on batteries, which they don't do very often, you put them back in the case, they charge up super fast and combined 32 hour battery life, which is pretty absurd. I guess I use headphones that like a couple of hours a day. That's what last forever. It's pretty fantastic. And what's even better, they start at half the price of other premium ba- brands, which makes them an incredibly affordable option. And also Raycons come with a 45 day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Casual criminalist listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash casual. That's buyraycon.com slash casual. you get 50% off your Raycons. Buynow.com slash casual. Pour l'amour. That means for love or for the love in French. Ah, my French is so good. When the time had come for him to leave prison, he tried calling Zabeth home, but she no longer picked up the phone. After all, he had left her to take the brunt of a bust that she had nothing to do with. By this time, she had moved on and shacked up with a policeman, no less, which made the sting all the worse. Yeah, no one can blame her. It's like, oh, you ended up going to jail for something your, like, previous boyfriend did? It's like, you just want to go with the opposite, whoever that person was, and now it's a policeman. If the stories are to be believed, Michelle was, above all else, a hopeless romantic. He set his heart on one last ditch attempt to win back his teenage sweetheart. That's the kind of motivation we can get behind. We can even possibly overlook all of the little crimes that he committed along the way, like driving without a license. <laughs> Which, I like, you know, that is such a minor crime. But it's something that, you know, if, if I was banned from driving, the idea of driving, it'd just be like, nah, you just don't do that. You got banned from driving. <laughs> so obe- obedient. The fastest road to chalon en champagne ran through Bouche de rhone uh, one of the areas that he wasn't supposed to be staying in, so when his car broke down along the road and a car full of friendly policemen stopped by to help, our young anti-hero panicked. Oh my god, dude, you just got released from prison. The first thing you do is drive without a license to a place that you're not allowed to go. Your release is not going to go well had he just stayed and explained the situation he might have been given a slap on the wrist but escape was the only kind of action that michelle seemed to understand when faced with flight or flight with fight or flight he chose flight every time once again he managed to run away on foot and continued his romantic road trip in a stolen car god now you've stolen a car (laughs) meanwhile the cops at the previous vehicle simply searched through the glove box where he had left his identity papers oh my dude what are you up to no Okay, so Michel hadn't quite mastered the whole escape thing yet. Just give him time. His new ride served him well for a while, but somewhere along the picturesque riverside of Macon in Burgundy, this one conked out as well, leaving him stranded. Just as like the Good Samaritans, who stopped to help him, this time were Gendarmes, uh, French Military Police. This time he's also bad at escaping and crimes and also incredibly unlucky. This time he's not able to outrun them he's dragged back to prison for breaking the terms of his release another grand theft auto driving without a license and both of those attempts to free flee from the cops all of this pain and heartache heartache for the futile pursuit of the woman that he loved well maybe another version says that he was just working in Bouche de road and got caught joyriding again like a dickhead the french do love up to dre- love to dress up a story with romance don't they yeah especially as defense attorney playing on easy mode without a cozy home life to ever go back to michelle all but resigned himself to the criminal lifestyle the more time he spent locked in a tiny concrete room the more he became utterly obsessed with the idea of escape it's as if he was addicted to the rush of life on the run this time the 21 year old is locked up at a little provincial penitentiary in Mâcon, the perfect place for a first attempt at jailbreaking if you try and jailbreak though don't isn't the punishment like really intense i feel like i learned from that prison break tv show that if you try to escape from jail and they catch you and they put you back in you get like 10 more years which feels pretty intense like if you're in, it's like what's your prison? at 18 months yeah but i tried to escape and now i'm in for 11 and a half years it's like just do the 18 months but then again if you're in for life this is like what have you got to lose literally you have nothing to lose maybe they'll throw you in solitary or something but it's like just why not if i was in prison for life all i'd be doing is just like looking for ways to escape i'll just be thinking about escape all the time because i just want to be outside prison just i guess (laughs) he starts practicing his observation skills collecting information on the routines of the prison the weaknesses in its walls which guards can be buttered up and which might have to be beat down he studies the prison like a puzzle for several weeks, and discovers the solution is actually fairly simple. On certain days, model prisoners were allowed extra time outside to help load up some of the trucks at the prison entrance, where the gates would be wide open. Shortly after, the young rebel managed to infiltrate this group of do-gooders and gave himself a clear shot at freedom through the open prison gates. Michel loaded himself into the back of a truck and was soon on his way back home to Chalon Champagne. You can tick prison break number one off of your checklist four more to go which necessarily means that there are at least four more arrests to come as well if you want to become a true master of escape you have to be pretty shitty at avoiding arrest too yeah i mean escape of prison all good but isn't escaping getting arrested in the first place just the best option the leap of faith Michel Verjour's next slip-up came when he was trying to get some money together to fund his new life. Unable to get a normal factory job again, he took to burglary instead, a career path which he did not take too naturally. After a few successful but meager hauls, one homeowner heard him clattering around in the house, and the cops came there to meet him when he emerged. This time, the jailbreaker would be playing on home turf. That's the Maison d'Arette de Chalon-Champagne, a rustic medieval prison with a six-meter high wall and barbed wire fence stretching up twice as high on the inside. Escaping from here sounds like a tougher ask for our young anti-hero. But with his determination you bet that he'd find a way whenever he was being dragged around the prison from the main ward to solitary and back again he kept an eagle eye on the fence for weak points back and forth back and forth and he soon found what he was looking for a heavily rusted section of the fence which he reckoned could be cut through without the need for special tools he makes a plan to snap through the fence and climb to freedom just like he climbed uh, rocky hillsides with his priest sensei all those years ago one afternoon he casually meanders away from the prisoners in the yard toward the weak spot the flaking metal wire snaps apart with ease and michelle folds back the fence to squeeze through he crosses the narrow no-man's land between the fence and the wall without being spotted and clambers up the old bricks now six meters high he can see the town of his youth spreading out before him his liberation is so close he looks over the edge at the long drop with butterflies in his stomach now, suddenly unsure of himself, he clenches his jaw, slows his heartbeat. A vision of that old priest appears. Use la force, Michel! And so he leaps into the air, soaring like an eagle over mountaintops, the soothing winds of freedom caressing his wings. And then he shatters both of his f-ing ankles. <laughs> ah! Of course he does it's a six meter high wall no alarm went off but the attempted escapees yelps of agony were more than enough to alert the guards they sent someone out to scoop up the young escapee and patch him up technically he did make it out of prison but only because he spent the next few weeks in a hospital ward i have to say also to bring up prison break again it was so enormously complicated his name was michael as well wasn't it i mean michelle michael french version uh it's like his way to break out of prison, in the first season at least, I don't care and let's not speak of the other seasons, uh, was so complicated and wild. But in reality, it's just like, yeah, 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 there was a rusty fence, wasn't there? (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I just got in the back of a truck (laughs) because they let me out to unload a truck. It's never as complicated. It's always just like super basic. How did you get out? Yeah, helicopter came just landed on the roof and I grabbed onto it easy it's not yeah yeah yeah. I tattooed it on my body and then I drew the devil's face on a wall and then I used like an egg beater to drill through and then there were 700 other things I did to escape it's not like this it's just not he's clearly still not quite got the hang of this stuff but what I'm starting to learn is that if you want to be a successful prison breaker perseverance is key. After his bones healed up and he was returned to the prison block, Michelle decided to join forces with his cellmate for the next attempt. The floors in the fence had been patched up and reinforced, so they had to steal tools to saw through some metal window bars and break through. This time our escapees remembered to bend their legs and roll. Still, it's a six-meter wall. Is bending your legs and rolling really going to work? Still both men blew out their kneecaps and they were dragged back inside. How did you not learn the first time, guys? Oh my god, fool me once only joking nobody's that stupid okay thank you <laughs> i was really worried <laughs> casually and carefully they lowered themselves down to the ground with ropes made out of bed sheets nicked from the prison laundry wow this is like the stereotypical escape by the time the guards realized what had happened the white ribbon dangling down from the battlements was the only sign that they were ever there the bloody brilliant baby bell bust out As you'll soon see, the -the on-the-run sections of Monsieur Vajour's story are actually more like footnotes than proper chapters. Getting out of prison was actually the easy part, whereas staying out… not so much. He and his accomplice ran, ran off into Chalons and found themselves in a, se- a safe house to hole up in. Without money to flee or feed themselves, they started a campaign of robbery that once again lands Michel back in prison when he's nicked, tried to stick someone up. Returning with a fresh four-year sentence, the correctional officers at Maison d'arrêt de, de Chalon Champagne welcomed him back with open arms, and they took a full me thrice shame on me approach to keeping him contained. Now his cell window had two rows of bars and barbed wire wrapped around one let's see you break out of that one Michel just took these extra hurdles as a challenge and started planning his most clever caper to date he enlists now with his cellmates luigi and gilles the latter was a hardened gangster from a well-known crime family and the two became like brothers during their time inside ah prison the breeding ground of criminals to get into more crime after a few plans, they came up with one that could only be called utter genius. Let me guess, soaring through the other bars. In typical Michelle fashion, he starts causing trouble one lunchtime in the prison canteen. He gets into a shouting match with another inmate, and his ranting attracts the attention of a guard who runs over to restrain him. As he struggles against the jailer, Michelle pulls, out a bit of sli- pulls a bit of sleight of hand and reaches down to the keys dangling from the guard's waist and presses a piece of wax into one of them. Okay, now we're getting a lot more clever. This is much more prison breaky. I mean like the TV show. Our ornery anti-hero is then tackled to the ground and dragged off to solitary. But it was all worth it. Now he has an imprint of the literal key to their freedom. And how did he get the wax? It was the red casing from a Babybel cheese wheel, the same tasty little u snack that British mums pack into their kids' lunchbox every day. The man himself is pretty proud of this one, and rightly so. It's huge the work that was done to achieve this. It was a great job. Alright Michelle, <laughs> there's no need to brag. I mean it's pretty cool though although what are you gonna do with a wax imprint you're gonna have to like get something in there like plaster of paris or i mean obviously not metal to like make a version of the key i feel like in in prison break or i don't know what tv show it was where i have seen this done it was like they did it with like some sort of blue tack mold and then they poured wax into the blue tack mold But if you make it out of wax, the wax you pour in is going to melt the other wax, right? With a wax imprint in hand, he kept it out of sight until he could deliver it back to his cellmates. Then the three men spent day after day, night after night, sawing and filing away at a piece of iron salvaged from the prison workshop. Eventually, it's a perfect match for the original, which never even had to leave the guards' waste. Okay, that's pretty clever. You just, like, gradually wear down an actual piece of metal into the shape of a key. That is intense. Once their craft project was complete, all that was left was the big event itself. The door could only be unlocked from the outside, and the most detailed reports I could find mention that they pierced through the door with an immersion heater. Now those are the things that heat up water boilers. I'm not sure how breaking through a heavy steel door, perhaps they had some other tools as well, or maybe they used it to more easily cut through a thinner panel. Whatever the case, they bored a hole big enough for an arm to fit through, reached around with the key, and unlocked the door. My theory or thinking immediately would be it's like one of those those uh, glass not glass but like perspex you know plastic doors with uh reinforced metal bars inside so it's bars and plastic and so with the key obviously on the other side and so they use the heater to go through the plastic and then they reach their arm through and use the key to unlock the metal door i mean it's a pretty secure door and that's a pretty genius way of getting through it Michel was ecstatic as the tumblers clicked into position. He could feel the electricity of another big escape surging through him, but his colleagues looked less enthusiastic when he turned to face them. For some reason, Luigi and Gilles actually decided to stay behind. Perhaps they didn't have long enough on their sentences to justify the risk. So Michel once again found himself alone atop the prison wall, shuffling down a bedsheet rope to freedom. (laughs) Surely by this point, you'd be like, he was in there for four years, right? And he's been caught escaping three times it's gonna be like oh just just do the four years get out and you don't have to be on the run do you and then you can resume like a normal life or maybe the life of a better criminal once you've met lots of people in prison and got really good at crime like prison seems to do for people brilliant safe harbor for anyone still counting that's now three successful escapes two broken legs and a long list of botched Criminal activity. If that record as anything to go by, it wouldn't be long before Michel was back behind bars a fifth time. However, this time catching up to him wouldn't be quite as easy as it spent as he had some experienced allies to run to. The gangster Gilles had already informed his family, many of whom were accomplished armed robbers, about the escape plan, and his criminal clan made preparations for when the three fugitives arrived. Even though their own blood stayed behind in the end, they treated Michel the same as they would him. The escape artist now had enough money and protection to survive the crucial early phase of life on the lam and at the same time he learned the ins and outs of the armed robbery game from his hosts as he later said we were pirates they were privateers recognized by the king with obligatory connections meaning until he met them he was just a convict afterwards he was a criminal from here out his crimes would be characterized by higher stakes bigger bucks and heaps of extra violence our little countryside joyrider was all grown up during his time hiding out with the family, Michel even managed to find true love in Nadine Bourgeon, the sister of his old soulmate Gilles. This Bonnie and Clyde couple enjoyed a tumultuous romance made all the more chaotic by the fact Nadine was a prolific bandit herself. Her rap sheet included arrests for receiving stolen goods, fraud, and attempted robbery. Their romance was cut short when Michelle was picked up again during another botched robbery and was dragged back off to prison. This time the officials have learned their lesson. Michelle would be spending his next stint at the high security Maison de Red de Chamor, condemned to rot in a cell. That's a quote. Um Yeah, but Dinny already escaped prison three times, and it's on the fourth time that you're like, maybe we should put him in a higher az- <laughs> How was he not in maximum security prison already? The Spirit Journey this diamond-shaped fortress in historic castle town charmant was smaller than our anti-hero's previous homes with capacity for only around 60 prisoners and far more guards per inmate that is a really small prison i mean there's loads of criminals right in prison 60 is is it going to really make a dent escape seemed out of the question whenever he scouted out the defenses they were all sealed up tight and whenever he tried to get access to tools he was denied so instead of looking outward to the world beyond the walls michelle took refuge within using a small handbook on yoga he spent long days locked up alone in his cell as a chance for spiritual improvement he formed breathing exercise centered his mind gave up all unhealthy habits and began living like some ascetic hermit on a mountainside i was a monk in his cave a poor egg in his desert and inner freedom and in the face of authority a peaceful indifference so It actually sounds, and I'm sure it's not the case, that he's actually improving himself in prison and becoming a better person. But, you know, something's going to change, isn't it? Why are french bank robbers so much more poetic than ours in the background the prosecution was piling up some pretty severe charges against this eloquent yogi slash bandit 13 years for two armed robberies which weren't really armed at all all the guns were toys painted black the charges kept stacking up until he was looking at a mammoth 23 year sentence which is more than enough time to become a full alone yoga master but that wasn't really his goal the yoga was all about mastering his own mind and giving himself the patience to choose the right moment to escape there could be no mistakes this time after three years of solitary meditation speaking to basically nobody but Nadine who is now his wife after they got married behind bars he put his new plan into action well that is like some loyalty she got married to him even though he's gonna be in prison for like 23 years god damn in niceivity or she's like he's gonna escape he escaped four times already he's gonna you know it's his time we just gotta wait. In 1979, at the age of 28, and just a few months after marrying his sweetheart, Michel decided to go for a more brute force approach than usual. One morning, he rode three hours in the back of a prison wagon down to Chalon, where he was due to appear for a preliminary hearing. Sometime during those proceedings, his investigating magistrate, the kind who handles the pre trial stuff, came within arm's reach. Michel pounced and locked his arm around the man's neck he produced a pistol from his waistband and put it to the hostage's head the guards promptly lowered their weapons well i say pistol it was actually a bar of soap carved into the shape of a gun i swear i've seen that in a movie that's definitely been in a movie and blackened with boot polish still at a distance i guess it kind of looked like the real deal and at the end of the day none of the guards wanted to be responsible for the execution of a magistrate so they backed off, and the wise young yogi made his way outside, waving his lavender-scented semi-automatic in the air as he went. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this guy—it's not—it's not like prison break complicated, is it? He's just carving a bar soap into the shape of a gun. <laughs> okay. After that slightly less elegant escape, Michel returned to the loving arms of his beloved, and the two of them fled to the countryside. There, they bought a farmhouse with money saved from their robberies, started making plans for the future. They would stay in the robbery game until they had enough money to retire to Argentina. <laughs> Okay. It's okay. It's like Argentina, the famous home of criminals. But I mean, less bank robbers and more Nazis, is the joke I was going for there. I just made a video about that on a new channel I have, by the way, called Into the Shadows. It's called Nazi Ratlines Escaping to South America or something like that. If you want to check it out, please do go ahead, but only after you finish listening to this podcast. In the meantime, Michelle starts going by Daniel and gets cosmetic surgery on his nose and mouth to hide his identity. It was a brief golden age for Michelle Vergeur, made all the brighter when Nadine fell pregnant with a daughter. They planned to name her Baboth. Bonnie and Clyde appear to have secured themselves domestic bliss, but once again, it was not to be, partially because that cozy home life was interspersed with the odd violent Tarantino-esque robbery. (laughs) Ah yes, domestic bliss (laughs) and armed robbery. It was on one of those jobs that Michelle screwed up again, honestly, just give up and drive a taxi or something, and they managed to hold him long enough to convict him two years later. Added to his rap sheet was a count of attempted murder from the near-fatal shooting of a cop during a heist in 1980. Oh. This changes things. Because it's like before, he's just like robbing shit, and he's like stealing cars, and he's kind of like escaping prison, and you're like, okay, you know, he's not hurting anybody. And then he shoots a cop. And you're like, okay. Okay, so now it's like, I tell you, you need to be in prison, don't you? Forever. Come on. Oh yeah, you didn't think our handsome anti-hero was some non-violent noble thief, did you? Definitely not, Callum. I definitely wasn't thinking that. <laughs> what? No, it was dangerous to sell. One saying, if the cops get in my way, I don't raise my hands. I switch on. Holy f- Gun parts were the part of the game that excited him the most. Honestly, I liked you better when you were just pretending to shoot at people with silly soap guns. So now, at 30 years old, he was sent right back where he most probably belonged. Yeah, if you shot a cop, you need to… it's prison time. It's prison time forever. Which brings us pretty much right back up to speed with the dramatic airborne opener from the start of the episode. I promised you five jailbreaks, and five jailbreaks you shall have. The last one is by far the most famous. And the most exhilarating of all. We're now no longer dealing with little countryside penitentiaries. Michel was hauled off to serve his sentence in Paris at 19th century correctional citadel Le Prison de la Here, our anti hero was tossed in among 2,000 of the most hardened criminals in the Republic serial killers, drug kingpins, hitmen you name it. They even had a special VIP section for high profile inmates from politics and organized crime. Ah yes, politics and organized crime those two things that go hands in hands, but desperately, desperately should not. Basically, for a career prison breaker, this was pretty much the final level of the game. The Big Boss. So let's take a look at the map. The blueprints of Lusantra resembles a wedge. The eastern side features an X-shaped wheel and spoke construction of cell blocks connected to a 4x4 grid of courtyards in the west. Until 2000, the four blocks were broadly divided by race, meaning our man must have found himself locked up in block A the western european block a healthy staff of guards with rifles man the towers and layers of brick steel and wire lay between the convicted and busy city avenues on each side of the prison i can already hear you planning it through in your head i would totally make a grappling hook of the workshop steal a rifle from the tower and backflip off the wall onto a motorbike yeah dream on mate by all means you're quite welcome to get arrested and give it a try but let me show you how a professional handles this particularly challenging breakout first Dear Michelle tell it, the motivating power behind his greatest feat yet was love. Love for his wife, and for the daughter who he never got to see being born. Madame Vaujeur brought the little one to her visitor her father at the prison, but the few hours they had together was never enough. More than ever, all Michelle thought about was breaking out. Well, Michelle, if you, uh, if you didn't want to be in prison and want to be spending time with your daughter, well, you shouldn't have been a criminal, should you? You shouldn't have shot a cop. You should have just, you know, drove a taxi or whatever. And as always, you have to first understand the puzzle before you can solve it. He began with simple observations weak points guard routines available tools potential allies the last one was the easiest of the lot. Michel soon made friends with a fellow armed robber in his mid-20s named pierre hernandez who had joined him in scouting out the prison a friend on the outside would absolutely be essential to pull this one off and thankfully Michel had the best ally that he could cope for his gun-toting bank robbing action hero wife nadine action hero <laughs> criminal She kept visiting the prison whenever she could, and passed secret notes to her husband hidden inside homemade snacks. The hopes of a reunion almost fell to pieces in 1983, when Nadine Nadine herself was arrested in connection with a botched armored car job in Tor. On that day, a group of masked bandits, one of them female, got in a shootout with the guards when they refused to give up the goods. Two of the security officers were injured, and bandits were shot dead. Oh my god. I saw… You must have seen it. It's a few months old now. But there was this incredible video of this armored car robbery. And it's, like, the, the GoPro or whatever cam, you know, the dash cam inside the car, like, focused on the driver and the the other guard. And it's, like, they're, like, being assaulted by proper guns. There's, like, spidering in the glasses. They're getting the, the gunshot at them. And it's so intense. And these dudes are just so calm and, like, doing all this, like, crazy driving to escape. And they escape. And it's epic. And, I don't know, just search, like, armored car attack. And it is an epic video. And the dudes just, like, they're just, like, so ready like just fully ready ready is the but they're not calm because they're like you know doing all this crazy driving but it's like you just see that they're you know there's no messing around there's no panic it's just go time it's really cool the female crook, however, managed to get away. After ascertaining the identities of the dead guys, the cops were certain it was Nadine. She spent some time in jail as a result. Eventually she was released from jail due to a lack of evidence. It really if it really was her and she had gone down, then it most likely would have been game over for the both of them. And who knows what for little babbeth. So Nadine started to dedicate more of her energies to planning how to make a big family reunion possible. It's not entirely clear who came up with the craziest part of the plan, but from what I've read, I think I'm going to give that point to Nadine. See, one of her stints behind bars, perhaps the most recent one, was spent at the fleury Merigui prison in the south of Fra- in the south of Paris. And in 1981, the very same year that our amorous anti hero was dragged off to prison again, two inmates there pulled off the impossible. And a cobblest managed to land a goddamn helicopter right in the middle of the prison football field and take off with both of them inside. And I'm thinking that's probably where she got the inspiration. I wonder what makes you think that, Callum. Granted, that one ended poorly in a hail of gunfire, and it also involved the unnecessary ugliness of kidnapping a pilot and putting a gun to their head. Nadine had more class than that, so the robber princess decided to take the DIY approach. A couple of years after her beloved was sent to the Parisian prison, she began taking helicopter flying lessons. She literally learned one of the hardest skills in the world out of pure love. Keep that in mind next time your partner doesn't do the dishes. Is flying a helicopter one of the hardest skills in the world? I mean, like I said, I'm learning to fly a plane, and it's complicated, but I wouldn't say it's, like, one of the hardest skills in the world. And I assume flying a plane is similar to flying a helicopter. I did think about learning to fly helicopters, but I decided it was too dangerous. It took her only a few months to get her license, because Nadine is the kind of badass that every little girl should aspire to be, minus all the crime, of course. And afterwards, she began regularly renting the same aircraft from the same airfield in South Paris about twice as much. Twice a month for 10 months. Same days, same times, so nobody would suspect a thing. The airfield operator thought nothing of it. Her license was real, and it's not a crime to rent a helicopter. But it is expensive $315 an hour to be precise, and God knows how much for the actual lessons. It's pretty expensive pretty expensive while his wife was out making moves to break him out michelle was pretty much just chilling in prison playing chess with his mate and meditating the one big task he and Hernandez had was scoping out a landing spot for the chopper it quickly became apparent that there was uh there was nowhere open enough to bring down an aircraft without risking a fiery explosion so our pair of jailbreakers had to find a way to make it to higher ground and they had to do that without getting a bullet through the chest to pull that off they would need to employ some impressive ingenuity and some Adorably cutesy arts and crafts. Are they gonna get dressed up as someone else? They're gonna make their uniform into into something. Like I think one of the coolest things that, you know, the prison escapes would be like they had those orange jumpsuits and they dye them blue or something and make them into like prison guard outfits or whatever and just walk straight out of the prison. It's like oh my god. <laughs> the girl in the air. Morning. The twenty sixth of May. 1986, The day which Nadine mentions in her note with instructions to be ready. The sound of helicopter blades whirring in the distance aren't a worry for the prison guards yet because they have a far more immediate problem on their hands. Two prisoners down in Cell Block A have decided to spice the morning up by threatening to blow up the joint. They're holding something aloft, a pair of goddamn grenades. They scream at the guards, threatening to detonate the explosives if anyone approaches. The guards panic frags are definitely on the contraband list so this wasn't something you had to deal with every day they're probably made out of soap aren't they I mean these two dudes are definitely gonna get some time added onto their sentence for this thing but I'm guessing that they're already like in there for life so they're just gonna their family get paid some money or whatever from the the gang or from these guys I don't know if the men were shot down they would drop the grenades which would explode anyway the only non-fatal outcome here would be to listen to their demands which were pretty simple they wanted to go outside for some fresh air I guess. One of the guards aims down his sights at the duo as they emerge from the cell block and into the yard. His colleagues follow behind them, and the bombers spin around, threatening to blast the guards to pieces if they don't step back a few meters. Repeating that formula, the two jumpsuited grenadiers jog across the yard unimpeded as the guards edge forward after them. At that moment, their mad shouting is drowned out by the sound of a chopper arriving over the prison, hovering far above the yard. A duffel bag drops down onto the dusty courtyard with a thud, and from inside, one of the men — you probably guessed who it was, yes, Michel Vajour — produces an 8-meter knotted rope, a telescopic rod, and a magnum revolver. Well. Another fake one, but still. From what I gather, after trudging through dozens of conflicting reports, many of which take a lot of liberties with their interpretation, Michelle and Hernandez then use these tools and some impressive gymnastic prowess to set up their rope and clamber up onto the prison roof. Michelle is up on the roof in seconds, where the helicopter now hovers a few feet above, shielded from most of the guard towers by tall chimney stacks the riflemen who do have a clear shot radio their superiors and ask what to do open fire or let the prison break unfold it seems like health and safety one out in the end if they brought a helicopter down here it could end up crashing into any number of residential buildings nearby yeah because the salt prison is right in and it's in a nice part of Paris I think it's like because it's historically there and whatever and then the area around it became quite up markets I think so it's like a helicopter like a helicopter crashing in a really nice part of town it's not a good time I mean, it's not a good time when a helicopter crashes anywhere. A bad part of town, nice part of town, whatever. I'm just saying, it's like, you know, more of a contrast, isn't it? It's interesting. An amateur photographer in one of those buildings across from the prison actually managed to capture all the action as Michelle jogged up to the roof with Hernandez still lagging behind on the rope, only just having clambered up over the ledge. Michelle makes his way to the chopper about seven or eight feet overhead and hops up to grab the runner, hoisting himself up onto, into the copter as it begins to rise. Hernandez is so close, but in an absolute move for the ages. Nadine starts to fly off before he can get on board. That is mega douchey. The vinyl pictures taken less than 5 minutes after the chopper arrived show Michelle high in the air perched on the runner of the chopper and flying to freedom while his buddy sits crestfallen on the peak of the roof seconds later the police storm the rooftop and poor Hernandez will be forced to surrender and now he's got so many more years and he's never getting out of prison is he Ah oh, Hernandez no in that last action-packed image, a rifle can be seen falling through the air beneath the chopper, presumably the one which was brought along by the mystery bagman. And likewise, according to Michelle's version of the story, Nadine told him to toss his explosive escape tools away before taking off in the chopper too. So, if you had been one of the guards running around the yard that day, you might have experienced an extremely sweaty-palmed moment as Michelle's plastic revolver fell down from the rooftop past your head, followed by a grenade. Maybe then dive to the floor and cover your ears and wait and wait. For some reason, the grenade doesn't go off. Maybe then you take a closer look at the little ball of death lying a foot away from you and notice that it looks weirdly squishy. Maybe then for some reason you pick up the piece of deadly ordinance and take a bite if so you'd enjoy a mouthful of delicious plump juicy nectar in straight from the prison's cafeteria yes hernandez and Vajur mounted one of the most daring escapes in history using a bit of fruit and some paint it doesn't surprise me at all but the thing is the guards and the the guards probably not even worried they're probably thinking they're fake but they cannot take the risk a few minutes after, poor Nendes was dragged back down to his cell for a severe talking to, and the lovebirds and their anonymous associate touched down on an athletics field next to some Paris University student dorms in the south of the city. Some of the students, chilling on the grass that day, reported seeing them run from the helicopter to a car which was waiting nearby, and just like that, they were gone. On the Run This would be the last time in his life that Michel Vergeur would spend on the run from the cops, and it ended in the most dramatic way imaginable. The hunt was on from the moment that the helicopter left the prison roof, but the authorities were too late to arrive at the athletics field and only found the abandoned chopper just sitting there. A Paris police spokesperson said, They have two or three years on us, so we don't expect to catch up with them in three or four hours. Don't be too pessimistic, though. This is Michel Vergeur, we're talking about the king of getting captured. Yes, brilliant at escaping, but also brilliant at getting put back in prison. Nadine, on the other hand, had one key advantage, anonymity. The crime couldn't be definitively pinned on her, even though a woman was spotted in the cockpit. That was until they traced the registration, (laughs) like, this is going to last about 10 seconds. She's rented the helicopter under her own name and got a helicopter's license gonna be five minutes before they figure that out that was until they traced the registration of the aircraft to Ata- uh, to down in Saint-Cyr-l'Ecole which Nadine had been a patron of for 10 months now using the fake name Lina Rigon she was the first to be captured while hiding out with family in southwestern France rather than return the favor by taking some flying lessons himself Michel displayed his trademark recklessness as if he was just dying to get back into prison to show the authorities up all over again Seriously, that's the only explanation for this madman's post-escape decisions. Rather than lay low, he started robbing banks again. (laughs) I guess he needs to do. Got to get some money from somewhere. Help me, I'm poor. On September the 26th, precisely four months after escaping from prison, he entered Credit Lyonnais Bank in the Porte Bagneux area east of Paris and waved his gun in front of a cashier. When he made for the door, a team of cops were already blocking his escape. Michel opened fire, striking an officer in the stomach three times before there was a cracking sound and his head snapped around to the left. Everything goes blank. A policeman's bullet had punched through the right side of his skull, and he collapses to the floor. Cue some more lovely poetic musings. I experienced my death very consciously. My brain was 100% functioning. I could distinguish cobblestones, blades of grass, drops of blood, the sun. I got inside myself. A cop said, he's dead. I thought I was much more alive than him. I was at peace. Afterwards, I lost consciousness. That's some very zen recollections of the time you once tried to murder a group of cops, Michelle. Wait, is this actually real? And he's alive? He got shot in the head! I just assumed this was Callum playing with us. Wow. Okay. And somehow that wasn't the end of the story. Michelle Vajour managed to pull one last disappearing act by giving the Reaper himself the slip. He spent weeks in a coma before awaking in hospital handcuffed to the bed rail, a bit unnecessary since one side of his entire body was paralyzed. Due to brain damage from the injury, Marshall was now hemiplegic. After the doctors finished a whirlwind course of rehabilitation, he went went to trial for the fresh charges of escaping prison, robbery, and attempted murder. The now-disabled 35-year-old convict was shipped off to a maximum security facility at Fresnes Prison with a policeman's magnum bullet still lodged in his right temple. Oh my god, that is so intense. I I I mean geez. Encore, encore Okay, so he's basically been able to break out of every prison that he's ever been put in. It always seems fair to give him a handicap at this point. Usually, a gunshot to the head signals the end of a biography, but this one still has a few twists up its sleeve. While incarcerated, spending long days in solitary misery reactivated his yogic te- teachings. He spent hours practicing his techniques and actually credits them with helping him regain much of the mobility in his paralyzed side. Beginning by wiggling his toes, then fingers, then flexing his joints, he could eventually walk unaided again. That is actually incredible. While he was just learning how to walk again, Nadine was back on the outside, having served her 10-month sentence for her part in the escape and giving birth to a couple's second child, Bruno. Unfortunately, this was the end of the line for Bonnie and Clyde. Nadine visited him at prison sometime after her own release and told him that she still loved him but couldn't go on playing cops and robbers anymore. Worse, he never saw his kids again. Seems like nobody would flying to his rescue. unless... Now, it's worth saying that as romantic as this whole thing, whole anything for love story is, we have to bear in mind that much of it comes from Michelle himself. The reality may well be a lot grimmer. One past associate from prison said Michelle wasn't some hopeless romantic, but that he walked on anyone's head to get out, and exploited the women who loved him to regain his freedom. Have they been speaking to Hernandez by any chance? Ah, poor Hernandez, still stuck in LaSalle prison. And it just so happened that he soon gains the attention of a young, attractive, impressionable woman for him to exploit, 21-year-old law student Jamila. She started following the case after seeing Michael's ex-wife on TV in 1989 promoting her book and trying to raise awareness about what she called overly harsh sentencing in his case. Fascinated by criminal law, the young student Jamila decided to write a pojour. Over the following decade, they would exchange thousands more such letters to each other. Being from a conservative Algerian family, Jamila was enamored with the world of criminals and soon found herself falling in love with our romantic hero, the King of Escape, a man 18 years her senior. In 1991, they finally had the chance to meet, but it was an awkward first date, seeing as it was at the courthouse and Michelle was on trial for all the robberies and shootings that it had committed while on the run. <laughs> The following year, Michelle's letters suddenly stopped and Jamila grew worried. She cooked up a plan to get close to him again by signing up to teach Spanish lessons at the prison Jamila are you up to. Someone needs to rein you in. Don't do this, Jamila. Why? You're like one of those people who marries psychos in prisons. Like why are you marrying a serial killer in prison? This is not a good decision. This is not a good choice, Jamila. What happened to you? With her access pass in hand, she was able to make contact with the caged bird prison life was taking its toll. Quote, he couldn't even speak anymore. He felt that he was running out of strength. I didn't know if we were going to see each other again. I wanted to help him. And when his ex was willing to mount a helicopter jailbreak for him, how the hell was she supposed to top that? I believe she's going to try it with a helicopter. If I remember the story correctly, well, just do exactly the same thing, but twice. Yes! Yes, two times this young, intelligent, successful woman strayed from her studies to hijack a goddamn helicopter attempting to break her middle-aged criminal boyfriend out of the slammer. If you're getting deja vu right now, it's probably because that's almost exactly the same story arc as Harley Quinn. Never seen Harley Quinn, obviously. The first attempt was aborted before she even got on board, and the second time she flew toward the prison with a gun pointed at the pilot, but the jailers were alerted that a chopper was on the way long before they arrived. For that little stunt, she would be sentenced to seven years in prison, and her dreams of one day becoming a judge were shattered to pieces. Yeah, yeah. If you're a law student, and you end up serving seven years in prison, you're right, you can't be a lawyer. Like, in the UK, there's a there's a solicitor's regulation authority which decides this and they'll be like no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> unethical impressionable but does jamila regret it apparently not quote i went to the end i knew the price to pay from the beginning <laughs> why's up with you jamila no her family only found out about the incident and the relationship when the evening news was announced that the police were looking for her meaning michelle didn't make the best first impression on the future in-laws the little girl ended up serving five years for her recklessness and she was released in 1998 wait future in law so at some point they get married oh no the following year michelle converted to islam so her family would allow him to marry her although surely the fact that he was a literal attempted murderer with almost two decades left in prison was a bigger red faith than his flag no ah callum let me introduce you to a little thing called religion (laughs) it's very strange but there was a happy ending in store nonetheless Four years later, the main man himself was granted a surprise release from prison, only the second time in his life he'd ever walked out of a prison legally. In 2000, a new law made our anti-hero eligible for parole. He shot a policeman. Two policemen. One guy in the stomach three times. Somehow he survived that, I guess and he convinced the board that he was reformed in no small part thanks to the influence of his new wife, who he claims inspired him to perform his most miraculous escape of all, breaking out of his life of crime although I think the bullet to his brain probably played a part as well. When he walked out in 2003, it was the final time. 52 years old, 27 years total behind bars, good lord, 17 years in solitary confinement, five escapes, about a dozen more attempts, and a record-breaking sentence from a mission released with almost 17 years left to serve. If you were to visit Paris today, you might be able to find Michelle, now 70 years old, walking around a park with Jamila and their dog, asking him about the craziness of the old glory days or brush it off in a nonchalant style quote for me it was normal i wouldn't have been surprised to open a dictionary and read prison place from which one must escape wrap up and i think we'll just wrap it up there for the story of michael for le roi de l'evasion and what a story it was mentored by a warrior priest a gung-ho anti-hero embarks on a life of crime filled with clever plots gunslinging duels and daring airborne escapes okay I may have glamorized it a bit too much in that recap because although it's cool to hear all these amazing escapes there remains the fact that michelle was quite content opening fire on security guards and cops during his robberies. Like there was definitely a reason he was in those prisons in the first place, so don't cheer too loud when he breaks out. All things considered, not exactly the best role model. However, if one were to be imprisoned in the basement of a diabolical digital media despot, what useful lessons might one glean from Michel Vajur's storied life? Oh, also, someone put together it was in the comments of one of these videos, and I voted it so hard, was everything they've learned about being a criminal from the casual criminals is like don't write down your crimes but like 50 others and i was reading it just i stumbled but i think this comment got voted up quite a lot so it's at the top of one of the recent videos i reposted it on my twitter at simon whistler if you want to go check it out and it's brilliant there are some absolute ones i totally forgotten about and it's i can't remember any now which is brilliant but it's very good I can make an entire podcast about them at some point i feel like in a year once we've done like Many casual criminals, and so we've got like a full list. I'd just like to go through them in like a special episode. I think that'd be fun. Uh, okay, so the list. If you don't have weapons, make fake ones. Note to self Will finger guns do? No, Callum. <laughs> when leaping from more than two or three meters, be sure to bring a rope or some crutches, bare minimum. In a pinch, putting on a sexy French accent can really help rope in a female accomplices. (laughs) Yeah, but all of the people he was in with, like, he got in with are French. So they're just gonna be like, it's just, you're just, it's just French. And if you do manage to make it out alive, don't get shot in the head. Although I think I already knew that one. That's enough wisdom to get any aspiring jailbreaker off to a flying start, no pun intended. Now, if have only had a wife, or a helicopter, or some nectarines, or a baby bell, or any food at all, really. And now, Callum, that I've discovered your basement diary. Well, uh, maybe I'll get you a baby bell, but I'll be taking off the wax. Dismembered Appendices Number 1. After his dramatic final escape, Michel went on to become a minor celebrity in France. Over the years, he's written a film script, appeared on TV and radio, published two books and been the subject of a film, Le Fille de l'air. The Girl in the Air. Perhaps more impressively, somehow, his partner Jamila managed to make a successful career as a lawyer, what?! Despite being the the nation's second most famous female hijacker. That's crazy. They let her become a lawyer. I guess she reformed seven years in prison, though. God damn. Number two, airborne escapes are actually ridiculously common in France uh, compared to most places. My favorite recent one is the escape of career robber Redon Fade in 2018. Not only did his gang fly in via helicopter to extract him, they spent several months scouting the place from the sky with drones. Yeah, drones. Drones and prisons. This has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. I do hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for watching. If you are watching this show, please, or listening, of course, if you're watching this show, please do smash that like button, subscribe. If you're listening to this in its podcast form, well, please do also subscribe. Also leave a review if you would like. That would be fantastico. I don't know why we're doing Italian. It's French. What's French for really good? Uh, oh, I know this. I know this. Je or something, isn't it? Like, I adore it. But uh, that's not what I'm. That's not what I want to say. Let's just wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old.